I'm going to give you a solid D. Oh, you want this solid D? Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mental. Welcome in to the Fantasy Flexitution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Melshotti. With me now and always is my boy, Kyle Settle. What is go with no one, my dude? Hello. So, we kind of talked about it the other day on in our group chat, but I kind of wanted to run through it and see if we can come up with any other names. So, if you had to, an all-value team in, in fantasy right now, you know, six mm. weeks in, we have a solid sample size now. We know who the big winners and the big losers are. So, quarterback, who's your most highest value as opposed to where they're going in the draft or went in the draft? Yeah, the guy you named in the group chat is a pretty good one, Tom Brady. Hard to say anything or anyone else has really surpassed him value-wise. Um, Jalen Hurts, maybe, and Matthew Stafford for honorable mentions. Those guys were going pretty late. Uh, in most leagues, you could get a Jalen Hurts guy out there, but in a lot of single quarterback, you didn't see Stafford get drafted at all. And if he did, if he did it all, it was sometimes, I mean, teen rounds or as a second quarterback by somebody. So those two honorable mention, but I think it's still probably Brady. It's crazy being a uh, Jalen Hurts owner, I guess. Like I, I run him out there every week and mm-hmm. like three quarters in, I'm like, this is terrible. Why did I do this? Why did I put him <laughs> in my starting line? <laughs> and then garbage yeah. time rolls around and he runs for 40 yards, gets uh, one on the ground, one through the air to, to recap his data. Yep. Recoup is his day, but it's just it's hard to watch, dude. It's so hard. It's to almost watch. like Blake Bortles esque from a few years ago. Obviously, he yeah. runs a lot more than Bortles, but Bortles, uh, I had the luxury of having him for a few different seasons in a few different leagues, and it was the exact same way. It was four points through three quarters, and then twenty five in the fourth. <laughs> yeah, and obviously that wasn't too sustainable long term. So, hoping that's not the case no, with Jalen Hurts, but we'll see. What about running backs? Who's uh? Give me two or three names that you think are the best values at running back. Ooh. I'll give you one that I think is pretty obvious, uh, but it had more to do with injury. It's uh, Shout James Henderson. Robinson. Oh, Henderson. okay. So we got yeah. two different ones: Daryl Henderson and James Robinson. Those are two good ones. That even after the Acres injury, you were still getting James Robinson in like the he was in the, like smack dab in the middle of the running back dead zone in like the fifth or sixth round. Yep. And he, right he had that the big bump right after the injury. He jumped probably like around. Or up to like late three, early four, and then he kind of settled down at like yeah early five, and that was like where people yeah. were getting him regularly. And, and then the obvious one clear is probably the biggest value in all of fantasy in Cordero Patterson, but that kind of goes without oh, saying. Yeah. yeah, and then honorable mention Leonard Fournette. Um, yeah, but really just know, for the last starting, couple of weeks, because I mean, yeah, I mean if it's sustainable, which you know, I, I, Bruce Arians is usually unpredictable, but how could you deny what? he has looked like in the offense the past two weeks. I mean, he's not like sure. the best running back in the NFL, but you know, when you give him enough touches, he is one of those where you're down kind of running backs and uh, yeah, just starts, the zone power run fits perfectly in the scheme. Yeah. Big and fast. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. But at wide receiver, other than Cooper cup, cause he's the yeah, obvious Cooper Cup, He's one. a big one. I'd say Mike uh, Williams is probably just as obvious. It's who's a bigger value, Mike Williams or Cordero Patterson. Cause yeah, both I mean, of these guys were like undrafted. And they're I would sitting say in like Cordell top five Patterson picks. just because of the the difficulty to find starting running backs, uh, especially at a position where That's injuries fair. kind of the stack up quick and early. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd say Cordell Patterson. But if you need a wide receiver, just look to the West. I mean, L.A., the two biggest sure. values in fantasy football, um, or at least yeah. at the wide receiver <laughs> position. And then tight Do we have end. to name a tight end? I, I don't want to name a tight <laughs> it's end. Gotta be, I mean, I it's guess... got to be Schultz or, or Knox, right? Yeah, those those are absolutely the top two, but gosh, such an ugly position every year. Yeah, I mean, Blake Jarwin is just dead now. <laughs> just, nobody talks about yeah. Blake Jarwin anymore. Remember him? 
Yeah, he's gone. And then uh, Dawson Knox, this guy I was like a truther on, and then I traded him away. <laughs> you did. You traded off. him away in league record. I took that as you signing off and saying he was going to be a bust, and then he scored like four weeks in a row, and he's a top five tight end on the season. So well done. Good conviction it, there. I'm going to call it a win, <laughs> even though yeah, I traded I'm going to be away. questioning that conviction a little bit later on in the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's it. We don't need to talk about that anymore. All right. <laughs> it's time for the news and the notes. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Extra, extra, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. The Saints sign running back Lamar Miller to the practice squad, and they designated Traquan Smith for return from IR. So Traquan Smith coming back, Michael Thomas shouldn't be too far behind him. Things are Mm -hmm. starting to change for New Orleans, and hopefully for the best. That offense has been an enigma. Yeah. Definitely hard to figure out. Jameis hasn't been at all what I think the fantasy community was hoping for. Not, I don't want to say we expected it because no one was drafting him that high. No one was putting out crazy deals for him to acquire him. They just knew what the ceiling was, and it just hasn't been that. He's had his up weeks. He's had his spike weeks, and they usually come with just massive efficiency. It's not happening due to volume, which is sort of the opposite of Jameis Winston's entire career thus far. It's just he would put out enough counting stats to make himself relevant, but the weeks he's gotten it done, it's been because of efficiency and the return of Traquan Smith coming back eventually. Michael Thomas here in a few weeks. Definitely going to help the passing game. Hopefully we see those attempts get up over 30 on a game, which I think has only happened once for the New Orleans Saints, maybe twice. So definitely want to see some more volume moving forward. Maybe getting some of these weapons back will help that. Yeah, it's crazy. Every so often you see one of those stats that just makes you shake your head and laugh. I saw one the other day. Jameis Winston leads the league at touchdown rate at 10%. Jeez. Well, yeah, insane? two and a half, two and a half <laughs> touchdowns for every twenty-five passes. That's yeah. been about his game mark. So that's actually not that surprising. That's insane to think about. If I would have told you that before week one, you would think Jameis Winston is like a top three fantasy quarterback because you probably would think oh, the gosh. volume, yeah, is, sure. is insane. But it's been the opposite, like you said. Yeah, he got like half of those touchdowns in week one against Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, what a crazy week. The Seattle Seahawks have reached out to Cam Newton, according to head coach Pete Carroll. So obviously with the Russ injury, they were forced to trot out Geno Smith, and it wasn't pretty. Very conservative. Um, Not exactly what you want, especially in a tough matchup with the Steelers. Can't have those last-minute mistakes. Not that Cam Newton has been all that great recently, but in my opinion, it would be an upgrade for the whole offense. Yeah, it might be. You at least have to worry about it. Uh, the added dimension that Cam Newton brings with what he does in the ground game. And you're only talking about a patch and replacement until Russ is back, hopefully sometime in the next three weeks or so. So it is something to keep an eye on. If Cam Newton is out there on your dynasty waiver wires, he's worth an ad in super flex and even probably in single quarterback leagues. If he does come into Seattle or get the starting job just until Russ is back, but it's only going to be for a couple of weeks. And then we're back in the same situation we're in now. Maybe they hold him on their roster, but obviously he's not beating out Russell Wilson or anything that, but he is the uh, type of run, or running back, the type of quarterback running back that will have fantasy value if he's playing. So he's worth an ad if he is sitting out there on waivers. That's what I was going to ask you. If you're like a contender, would you even waste a spot picking a guy like that up? Or would you, if you've got it like to spend? Yeah. Piece? Yeah. Okay. I, I wouldn't drop anyone that I'm high on or even on truth or status on, but if he's out there and, and you're in a tough quarterback spot, like he's not going to be the answer to your prayers. Like one, he's got to sign first just because the conversation was happening. doesn't mean he's anything's inevitable, but even if he does sign, he's got to be in a position where he can play, which isn't going to happen overnight. Like we're talking about the quarterback position. You have to learn an entire playbook, even for a veteran like cam. And then three, you have to actually be good in order to help your fantasy team. So still a lot of moving parts that need to happen if Cam Newton is going to help out your team. I do think it's worth an ad just to sort of get ahead of it because this news coming out, uh, you're probably not the only one in your league who sees him on waivers, so it is worth adding a spot. But again, I'm not giving up anyone impactful or even that I'm holding out hopes for in the future for Cam Newton. It's also interesting to think that even if he does get signed, you know, if Russ is back in a month and a half, are we even sure Cam starts all six games that they have come up? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he may he may not be good enough to, to hold that position. So, 
Who, yeah, who knows that he can even beat out uh, Geno Smith at this point. Yeah. I'm right, you ready for the Week 6 recap? Let's do it. Back to London we go as the Jacksonville Jaguars rode James Robinson like one of those funky double-decker buses to a win over, hey. the, over the Miami Dolphins. So James Robinson has been on fire. In Weeks 3 through 6, he has 388 yards and five touchdowns and leads the league in rushing grade, according to PFF. Trevor Lawrence continued to impress the hell out of me. No longer looks like a rookie. And on the other side, Tua Tugavailoa, he came back with a vengeance to the tune of 329 yards and two touchdowns. As is always, he has a typical head-scratching interception. Uh, that's frustrating, but I'd like to see him come back and have a good game. Jalen Waddle was the last man standing in that Miami wide receiver core, and he took advantage, finishing as wide receiver five on the yeah, and his running mate, Mike Kosicki, did pretty solid as well. He's been a top five PPR tight end in three of his last four games. As you mentioned, the Jags do defend their home turf in London. LaVisca Chenault, he's seen his slot rate drop from 83% down to 20% since the injury to DJ Chark. They're using him completely different since the Chark injury. On now to our nation's capital, where the Kansas City Chiefs laid waste to the Washington football team. They scored 21 or more points for the 51st time since 2018. That leads the entire NFL. Should go without saying. Patrick Mahomes has thrown a pick in five straight, but he's also thrown a touchdown in 31 straight. Again, that leads the NFL. On the other side, Washington. They allowed 30 or more points for the fourth straight game, which ties the longest streak in franchise history. J.D. McKissick has had over a double target share more than Antonio Gibson since week one, the latter of which left this game with a shin injury. Yeah, that's something to pay attention to for sure. The Kansas City Chiefs have only punted 10 times so far this year. That's the lowest total through six games since 1945. That was the Philadelphia Eagles. Big surprise, Patrick Mahomes leads the league in passing touchdowns with 18 after six weeks. Over to New York City, where Daniel Jones and the Giants shrink in front of their hometown fans, losing by 27 points to the Rams. Daniel Jones finished with negative fantasy points for the second time in his career. I don't know about you, but it's not a great stat. Cooper Cup continues his reign of terror <laughs> with 130 yards and two touchdowns on the day. He now has 90-plus yards in five of six games so far. Dow Henderson, I think he's solidified top 15 back for the rest of the year. Well, he's yet to finish a game that he's played this season lower than the RB20, so I'd say that's a safe bet. Robert Woods has three games now in 2021 with fewer than four receptions. He had only two such games back in 2020. On the other side for New York, Kadarius Toney exits the game on the first drive, and he could be dealing with a bit more than an ankle sprain, so something to monitor there. At left, Sterling Shepard with a 29% target share, and his number two running mate, familiar name, Dante Pettis. Finishes with a target share of 23% on the day. Next up, the Houston Texans fall to Indianapolis 31-3. Brandon Cooks, he has seen better than a 19% target share in every game this season, and he's been over 30% in four of his six games. Davis Mills ties David Carr for the most interceptions in his first four starts in Texans history. We told you before he got lined up, hey, this guy may not be so legit. Hope you got out while you could. Carson Wentz. Passer rating over 100 for three straight games. That's the first time he's accomplished that since 2018. And JT on the ground, my goodness, he just continues to dominate. He went from averaging 10 fantasy points per game for the first three weeks to 27 fantasy points per game over the last three. And then, oh, my boy, Paris Campbell, 50-yard touchdown, but then leaves the game with what appears to be a season-ending foot injury. It's always glimpses, or glimpses with Paris Campbell, never, uh, never full breakout. It's tough to see. Jonathan Taylor racked up 145 yards and two touchdowns for the second time in his career. The only other Indianapolis back to have reached those numbers twice in their career was Edron James. He's also fourth in the league on the yards after catch list. And uh, over to Carson Wentz, like you said, fantastic game. Truly his best game since 2019. On throws of 10 yards or more this season, he has 148 passer rating, seven touchdowns, and zero turnover-worthy plays. So definitely uh, turn the page from where he looked like last year. Over to the Motor City, where the Lions remain winless and the Bengals' young stars keep shining. Jamar Chase, one of only two wide receivers with at least 500 receiving yards and five touchdowns in their first six games. The other guy to do that was Randy Moss. He's also one of only nine receivers all time to reach 90 yards in three of their first six games. The other wide receivers that have done that is at Murderer's Row. 
Justin Jefferson, Amari Cooper, Stephon Diggs, OBJ, AJ Green, Julio, Deshaun Jackson, and Anquan Bolden. So he's in good company. But we can't say enough about the start to his career. Cincinnati got to four and two the first time since 2018. And in 2018, they proceeded to go two and eight for the remainder of the season. <laughs> bad history going with the bad juju. DeAndre Swift saw 78% of his snaps, highest total all in the season for him, and he used those snaps to slide into the runner-up on that yards after catch list behind only Debo Samuel, who's still been going on that list after a bye week. And TJ Hawkinson put some of the concerns to bed as his target total jumped back up, and he was able to put together a solid day, topping 70-something yards. Yeah, DeAndre Swift been outstanding to start the season. He's the only running back in football with four or more catches and 30 or more receiving yards in each game this season. His quarterback, different story. Jared Goff falls to 0-13 in games where Sean McVay is not his NFL head coach. A running back on the other side who's also pretty good, Joe Mixon. He had better than a 20% target share for just the fifth time in his career. And then the rookie, Jamar Chase. I feel like we're talking about him every week. Just the third rookie ever with 50 or more receiving yards in his first six games. On now to Chi-Town, where the Aaron Rodgers-owned Chicago Bears fall to Green Bay 24-14. For the Bears, Khalil Herbert takes every attempt at the running back position, adds on a 12% target share. And Devontae Adams, oh boy, what a tough day. He saw his lowest target share of the season at just 23%, bringing his season-long target share down to a woeful 37%. The list of the most quarterbacks with the most wins at Soldier Field since 2018 Number one, Jay Cutler, 28 wins. Number two, Mitch Trubisky, 15. Number three, Aaron Rodgers, 11 wins at Soldier Field. Even more impressive, they're the only quarterbacks with double-digit wins at, at Soldier Field. Rodgers has 10 of those. <laughs> Insane. He truly does own them for his entire life. Oh, my f***ing life! <laughs> It's like that sounded more like Samuel Jackson than Aaron Rodgers. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. The Baltimore with a highly anticipated AFC contender clash was a bit of a dud. The Raider, the Ravens got up early and did not let off as they won 34 to six over the Chargers. They scored 34 points while throwing for 170 passing yards or fewer for the third time since the start of the 2020 season. Only one team has has done that in the same time frame. Rashad Bateman saw his action as a rookie for the first time, and I, in my opinion, he looked as advertised. Not flashy, but effective in all areas. He's definitely a guy you want to keep your eye on as the season goes forward. See if this offense can accommodate his fantasy relevance. On LA, you were not happy with anyone's performance. Eckler had seven carries for six yards. Keenan Allen led the team with only 50 receiving yards, and this marks only the second time in Justin Herbert's career that he has thrown for under 200 passing yards. Brutal, but tossed this one out for sure. Yeah, the Chargers, absolutely their worst offensive showing in the Justin Herbert era. On the other side, the Ravens. Not a single running back has seen more than a double-digit target share since week one. Their three veteran running backs, Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Freeman, and Latavius Murray, all score rushing touchdowns for the first time since week 15, 2017. Next up, Carolina drops their third in a row, this time to the Minnesota Vikings, 34-28. Justin Jefferson, the only wide receiver in the NFL with more than 65 receiving yards in every game this season. This is a sophomore receiver we're talking about, already in elite company. Robbie Anderson, not so much. He was averaging a 10% target share for the first three weeks, but it's up to 25 over the past three weeks. Starting to get the targets, the production just has not been there. In Carolina, Matt Rule talking about running the ball more effectively in the near future. They've seen over 25% of their rush attempts fail to gain any positive yardage. That is by far the highest rate in the National Football League. Got to invest in that offensive line. Interesting you bring up Robbie Anderson having a higher than average target share in the past few weeks. Terrace Marshall was concussed in this game over the weekend, so look for that target share to sustain a higher rate than we've seen early in the season. And uh, I just want to have make it known, you can win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. He's playing very well, and nobody's talking about it. But guess who you can't win a Super Bowl with? Sam Darnold. <laughs> that is all. Okay. <laughs> to Cleveland, where we have another disappointing blowout as the Cardinals roll over the Browns on their way to 6-0. Kyler Murray is only the second quarterback to have at least a 73% completion percentage in the first six games while maintaining an undefeated record. The other quarterback to do that was Peyton Manning in 2013. This game also marked the first time in his career that he has had four touchdowns with zero turnovers. And other than Donovan Peoples-Jones, 
who crested 100 yards for the first time in his career. It was all bad news for the Brownies as Kareem Hunt is now on the IR with a calf injury. Nick Chubb remains sidelined. He will not be playing Thursday night football. And Dearness Johnson is sure to be the biggest beneficiary of that. Look out for him on waiver wires. It sounds like Baker is going to continue to play through his shoulder injury. But don't be shocked if his season gets cut short. If the Brownies don't turn it around, why keep him out there? The aforementioned Donovan Peoples-Jones, he patches his career total with two touchdown catches in the first half. And on the other side, Nuke becomes the first Cardinal with six touchdowns in his first six games since Larry Fitz as Arizona wins their sixth straight, both of those stats for the first time since 2015. Next up, we go a mile high where the Raiders get the win 34-24 over division rival Broncos. Teddy B with four picks in his last two games after throwing none in his first four. Corlin Sutton, lone positive. He still finds pay dirt for the second straight game. And on the other side, Josh Jacobs was averaging a target share of about 15% the last two weeks, but watched it fall to 4% on Sunday, while his running mate, Kenyon Drake, becomes the first Raider with a rushing touchdown and receiving touchdown since Darren McFadden in 2011. Love that stat. Darren McFadden could have been a Remember Me player for sure. Always a good so, call. Back. Interesting here, the backup goalie effect, their theory, is still in effect as uh, the Raiders, you know, they lose a head coach, get a victory. I believe, don't don't check me on this, but I think the past seven teams to lose a head coach midseason have not only covered, but won outright the, next, the following game. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cortland Sutton has 51 targets on the year and zero drops. So great to see him coming back from that injury. Over to New England, where the Cowboys came into town and left with the W in a classic overtime battle. CeeDee Lamb is one of the is one of only six players to have 140 yards and two touchdowns on the road in Foxborough since Bill Belichick became the coach. The others to have done that, Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, Pierre Garçon, Rinson Jackson, and Marvin Harrison. He's in good company there. He's also the first Cowboy to reach those figures in any road game since Dez did it back in 2014. Dak Prescott, one of only two quarterbacks to throw for 400 yards twice this year, the other being former Patriot Tom Brady. On defense, this guy, I know it's not fantasy, but he deserves a shout out. Trevon Diggs, seven interceptions in six games. The only player to have achieved that since the merger is Hall of Famer Rod Woodson in 1993. This loss takes the Patriots to 0-4 at home, their worst home start since 1993. But on the bright side, Mac Jones was PFF's highest-graded rookie at 92 and a half. And next closest was Trevor Lawrence at 79 and a half. And lastly, the streak continues. Jacoby Myers has over 110 catches, 1,000 yards, 35 career games, and still zero touchdowns. Did have one called back, so that one counts in the yes. minds of all those fantasy lovers out there. Okay, the Cowboys. Yeah, you talked about how dominant CD was. His quarterback was pretty good, too. Dak throws for 445 yards. That's the most ever against a Bill Belichick-coached NFL team. Amari Cooper, he's been struggling. He fails to record a top 24 week for the fifth time in his last six games. And as you said, Trayvon Diggs, he's been outstanding. He now has the same amount of touchdowns as his brother, him and Stephon, both with two touchdowns on the season. On now to Sunday Night Football, where the Pittsburgh Steelers win 23-20 over the Seattle Seahawks. Steelers continue their unbeaten streaks dating back to 2018 and rushing for over 100 yards. Najee Harris, the first Pittsburgh rookie with a touchdown in three straight games since Le'Veon Bell. And the Seattle Seahawks under 500 through six games for the first time since 2015 when they were coming off that Super Bowl hangover, ended up making the playoffs that year. Tyler Lockett is held under 60 yards and no touchdowns for the fourth straight game. Bring Russ back. <laughs> Bright spot for the Seahawks, Alex Collins with over 100 rushing yards and a score for his first time since 2017, also against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, put him in a body cast, wheel him out there on a wheelchair, who cares, get, get Ross back on the field. Big Ben, over the last, or over the first four games, he had a touchdown interception ratio of 4-4 four and four and a QBR of 78.9. The last two games... He had a touchdown interception ratio of 3-0 to zero with 104 quarterback rate. So things are looking up for Big Ben. And T.J. Watt is so good. The guy is relentless. Always got to wait. Watch out for him. Okay. Over to Tennessee. We finish up in Nashville where Dirty Derek and the boys send the Bills packing with an L. It was due to the poor quarterback Was that a player. Dirty Mike and the boys reference? <laughs> it certainly was. Thanks for the F-shack. Love Dirty Mike and the boys. You didn't think you could just throw that in there <laughs> nonchalantly and just move on. All right. Little, all right, come on. We got to get through this, all right? We are going to have sex in your car, 
Honestly, uh, Josh Allen played great in this loss. Uh, under pressure so far this year, Josh Allen is second in completed passes and first in pass yards. Stephon Diggs, uh, as you mentioned before, his first good game in a while, got, got the score. Uh, but breakout tight end Dawson Knox suffered a broken hand, so look out for future reports on his potential to miss time. On the other side, it starts and ends with Derrick Henry. He now has 19 10-plus yard rushes on the year, which leads the league and is more than 22 other teams' total 10-plus yard runs. Obviously, he leads the league in rushing yards at 783, but if you only took his yards after contact, 587, he would still lead the league in rushing. Gosh, incredible the start that he's off to. His wide receiver, A.J. Brown, he has more than 50 yards receiving for the first time this season. Julio Jones got off to a decent start. He was saved by a big play, but left the game in the fourth quarter with a hamstring injury. He's listed his day-to-day. And one more for D-Rock Henry. He finishes with over 130 yards and three rushing touchdowns in back-to-back games. Surpasses Eddie George for the second most rushing touchdowns in franchise history. For the Bills, Josh Allen, 55 passing touchdowns and zero picks in the red zone for his career. He is outstanding when he gets inside the 20. The aforementioned Stefan Diggs, he and Trayvon are the first pair of brothers to secure an offensive and defensive touchdown in the same NFL week when it has been done before. Vernon and Vontae Davis in week four of 2008. Wow, that's a great stat. So, would you rather be a Diggs, a Jones, Chandler, or John, a Bosa, or a Watt? Can I be a Davis since we just talked about them? And I'm going to tell you why. You want to be I'm Vernon gonna be Davis? Davis. <laughs> I'm going to be. All right. When I think about Vernon Davis highlights, and this may be the one that comes to your mind as well, he's the only person who, when I think of him, is the only NFL player I can recall was tackled by his penis. <laughs> he was tore down by his massive schlong. So I'm going to be a Davis for that reason. Very well. I, at some point, you're going to need to tell the listeners the Steven Jackson story. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think they need to hear that. Human tripod. That's called a teaser. All right, so... Let's go on to the next segment. We're going to do a little recap. So we're going to talk about our contenders and rebuilders, buys and sells over the past few weeks. But first, we're going to start with the buys. So Kyle, let's uh, let's go down yes, yes. To, to your buys, contenders, and rebuilders. We're gonna talk about them, and hey, I'm gonna grade you. All right, Rob, we're gonna have a let's little do it. a little friendly critiquing here. Okay. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to it this week. When I look for or when I was putting this list together earlier, and I talked about or I started listing off all the buys, it's a lot easier to justify your buys than yourselves. I'm not looking forward to being in the same position that you're in a week from now, where I had to defend some of the players that I've already talked about having to sell who are having great starts to the season. The buys, I have a little bit of a track record. I can look at just about everyone that I've listed out so far, and I still feel pretty confident. So let's go ahead and go chronologically. We'll start back in week one. Week one for a contender. I told you to buy Daryl Henderson. Yeah, that, that's an A+. I'll go ahead and grade myself right now. Before we even talk about the rest of these, this is your best one by far. This, especially okay, week one. Start strong. If you can get, yeah. if you got him week one, holy shit. Like, yeah. you definitely got him on the cheap, and you definitely have a top 15 running back on your hands for the rest of the year. That's fantastic. And he'll always, always be on this show, my first dynasty buy. So you can't take that away from me. Obviously, we made him a contender buy because there is a possibility, if not just a likelihood, that next year when Cam Akers returns, he's obviously not going to hold on to this role. So he's the kind of guy you want if you're going to go push your chips all in for a ship right now. So not a, not a lot of talk needed on Daryl Henderson. This one was a home run. Remember, the jury was just out on him a little bit. They weren't sure about Sony Michelle's usage. Some people, not us. We obviously st- staked our claims very early and told you, go get Daryl Henderson. My other one from week one on the other side for the rebuilders was A.J. Dillon. So what do you grade me on A.J. Dillon thus far? So we talked about it, I think it was last week or maybe the week before. These rebuilder buys and sells are long-term things. They're harder right. to judge 
especially only being five weeks out. Um, but I think you probably bought him at the right time because he was starting to put together a few lackluster yep, starting weeks. to pick up steams. But pick now, steam. like week four, five, six, he's starting to get some steam, like you said. So yep. I think his value is ascending, and it's still on an upward trajectory, so it was a good buy. So I'd say and, and that's what if, it's all about. if Dow Henderson was an A, I'd give A.J. Dillon like a B minus, C plus, because okay. it's hard for me to be any higher than that, but I definitely can't be a D or lower, that's for sure. Hey, we're playing the long-term game. Whenever we said we were doing it, uh, whenever we talked about A.J. Dillon before, remember the biggest point that I made was the Aaron Jones contract situation, which is going to keep him in Green Bay most likely this year and next year. And then my expectation is that 2023, this is A.J. Dillon's backfield on a run-first offense. So obviously this is one that has to play out a little further down the road. All right. Let's move on to week two. Uh, let's just do them both at once. Week two, my contender, I told you to buy George Kittle. And my rebuilder, I told you to buy Jacoby Myers. So where do you rank me on these two? George Kittle, you, you got the uh, injury mulligan. Right. You can't Injured really like, the ne- like the following yeah. week. Yeah, you can't really grade it. I mean, I could have told you to buy Cam Akers before the season. And you could call sure. it a bust because he hasn't played. You know what I mean? Like, it, you just can't Who do would that. ever do that? Who oh, would yeah, run victory would. laps over an injury? <laughs> and then Jacoby Myers, <laughs> Jacoby Myers, he's finally starting to get the respect he deserves, so it's good that you bought him early. That one I look at mm-hmm. similar to A.J. Dillon, uh, about a B. I'll give you a B on, on Jacoby Myers. Sure. Another rebuilder, so it's another long-term play, but he's already one of Mac Jones' favorite targets, and obviously Mac Jones' volume is going to increase over time as he gets more and more comfortable and accustomed to the NFL. He's finally getting respect. Like, you know, like the uh, syndicated analysts out there are are starting to give him the credit he deserves that us hardcore fantasy gamers Mm -hmm. have been talking about for, you know, a year, 18 months. Yeah. All right, next up, we're on to week three when we went down to a single show per week. And this is the first one that I'm a little iffy on. I can't really run my victory laps on, and that's Corey Davis. He was my contender by I'm, – I'm still in that camp. I'm not giving up hope. It's been a, a some really rough start for the Jets offense as a whole. But I still, for the most part, would say – Exactly what I said, week three. There are better days ahead, and I still think Corey Davis can help a contender win a ship, whether that be as a a flex three or a flex two or a wide receiver three. Yeah, I think the process was there, so there's no way I could give you like an F, um, anything like that. The results obviously haven't been there so far. Um, But if you look at what he has coming up, so his schedule coming up, they have the Patriots, not the hardest matchup in the world, and then Bengals, Colts, Bills, Dolphins, Texans. There's I only see like one tough matchup there in the next six weeks. So if you're a contender yeah. and you want to throw him out there, could get I hot. Think you, I think you could do it with uh, with confidence, especially with all these bye weeks piling up. Like, yeah, I would like to have Corey Davis on mm-hmm. my team right now as a contender. So I give yeah, you like a great bye week villain. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I'll take that. I feel like you're not being incredibly hard on me yet, and I feel like it's it's going to happen next week when I have to tell you some of the names that I've told all the listeners to sell. <laughs> I think I'm definitely going to start failing some of these. Uh, week four, rebuilder, Noah Fant, but he's right now the last couple of weeks, and, and like we predicted, he's really accelerated himself, I think, into that discussion of maybe not the top tier of tight ends, but that next group of guys of – Depending how you feel about TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, I think Noah Fant's right there in that discussion. He's, as of right now, the tight end eight on the season, and that's even with Denver struggling as a whole for the last few weeks. So I'm still feeling pretty confident about the Noah Fant as a rebuilder buy. I'm confident in it because the the tight end landscape is rough and he's starting to show signs of life, and we know he's athletic and all he needs is a quarterback. And it was An athletic can't get tight worse. end. Who would have thought? Yeah, it, it almost like can't get worse for him in terms of the quarterback situation he's had to deal with his his whole career. So I'm cool with it. Once again, it's not a hit, it's not a home run. You know, nothing's changed, uh, but it's also not a bust. It's a rebuild or buy. Uh, but me being a Noah fan fanboy, I'll give you a B minus. I'll take it. All right, week five. This one maybe a little too early to tell, but Julio Jones was my contender buy last week. Obviously, not a huge game on Monday Night Football ends with. Uh, 
the one big player that went over 50 yards, which really saved him from just sinking your week, just the three catches and then hurts his hamstring in the fourth quarter. It just looked like one of those games to me while I was watching, though, that Ryan Tannehill just made it a point to get A.J. Brown the ball early and often and sort of break him out of this little mini slump that he's had to start the season. And for me, as long as Julio gets back on the field, he's going to have one of those games as well where the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease and eventually it's going to be him that's peppered with targets because there was plenty of plays last night or Monday night that Julio was running wide open, but Tannehill wanted to get the ball to A.J. Brown. You could see that that was the game plan going in on how they wanted to attack the Bills. So I think Julio is going to bounce back as long as he's able to get back on the field. These soft tissue issues that have been plaguing him for the last year or so definitely put a hamper on things, but I still think Julio, much like my Corey Davis argument, can help you out as that wide receiver three or that flex play or even that bi-week fill-in to get you to the fantasy playoffs. This is one that I will push back on because the, the, my biggest concern with Julio coming into the year was injuries, and they have been the story of his season so far. And he had another hamstring injury last night. Um, we know hamstring injuries are usually multi-week injuries, whether it just keeps him limited or out for another two weeks. I mean, you're looking at, you know, we're, we're coming up on halfway into the season and he will have missed five games. Um, yeah. If he misses another one or two coming up with this hamstring, that's a big problem. And, and he's, you know, he's not getting any younger. These hamstring injuries are only going to linger longer. So I would say... Because he's he's still Julio Jones and he has the opportunity to, to blow up any given week and it's a good offense to be in. I don't hate going after him as a contender, but I think it's it's a little too risky, uh, depending on what you have to give up. So if you got him on the cheap, I don't hate it. But if you paid up for a guy like Julio Jones, I think it was a mistake. So I'll give you a I'll give you a D plus C minus. What if I offered you Kenny Galladay and a third for Julio? Uh, I would take Kenny Galladay in a third. No, don't you lie to me. <laughs> you would take Julio. No, <laughs> you take Julio. All right, let's move on to your cells. All right, <laughs> on to the cells. Sell. No, 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 take, just get it out of here. You can sell anything, sell, sell, sell me this fucking pen right here. You can sell anything, sell that. We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. So week one, I had a rebuilder and a contender sell. My rebuilder sell was James Robinson. Uh, Before you give me Mm. a grade, I think I was a little premature on the James Robinson sell. Yeah, are you are you just curbing there? Just yeah, I'm just like hey, just so you know, Dad. I got it. Before you walk into the living room, just some things you should know about the fish tank. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I started off with my biggest W, and you start off yours with probably just your biggest L. Just starting on opposite sides here. To be fair, and the reason I'm not just going to give you a flat-out F, is this was a rebuilder sell. And I think that window really should stay open all season to try to get in week one and get rid of him because we know that this is not going to be completely his backfield next year. You don't spend a first-round pick on another running back in Travis Etienne and continue to force-feed James Robinson the way that he's gotten the ball the last couple weeks. So, He's going to decrease in value. For that, I'm going to give you a solid D. Oh, do you want this solid D that I'm gross. giving you? Do you want this do D? That. I want nothing to do with that. You're going to take this D. Okay. Moving on. My contender <laughs> sell from week one is Sam Darnold, and I'm going to give myself a big fat fucking A. Oh, jeez. An A? All right. Uh, so you said it week one. Yeah. So you said this. He had two more weeks as like a top 12 quarterback immediately following this, though. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. The, the last three weeks have hey, been. I'd rather sell awful. early than sell late. Yes, okay. yes. That, that's right. About, you took the word right out of my mouth. All right. So yeah, it's better to get out a little too early than it is a little too late. Hey, maybe you're a, a, a week late listening to the podcast and you didn't hear this until after week two. You sell him, <laughs> yeah. he has one good game. Yeah, and then if we put a caveat on that, then. Sure. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. I'm on board. I still don't think Sam Darnold is as bad as you do or as bad as he's played for the last three weeks. I think the Christian McCaffrey injury had more to do with Sam Darnold's play over the last three weeks than Sam Darnold himself. And I still like him as a QB two. He seems like a nice guy. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna give you a B plus. All right. He I think when McCaffrey like nice comes guy. back <laughs> I think when McCaffrey comes back, Darnold turns it around. Maybe not to the extent we saw weeks one through three, but Back to the point where he can be a top 18 weekly quarterback. So I'll give you the solid B plus. 
He just he reminds me of like a little weasel, like just like uh, you know he fucking <laughs> just because his face. He does he, have a weasel he, face. He like tells people. He like tells the coach when a guy's running a lap and he like cuts the corner instead of like oh. going around the pylon. <laughs> he like tells his coach, "Hey, uh, hey coach, Jeff, Jeff over coach, there, you know he's dogging it." Robbie, dude. Robbie cut the pylon. <laughs> out of here, Sam. <laughs> Uh, week two, uh, my rebuilder self for that week was Dalvin Cook, and I may yes. have gotten lucky with the injury stuff, but that was my main argument. This was, yeah, it, it was your 100% your argument, and it also was the week before that first injury, and I'm going to give you a solid A. I, I've said solid for every grade. I'm going to give you <laughs> a firm A on go. that one. Dalvin Cook is, if you own him right now and he was supposed to be your centerpiece, I guess, for a title run, you're worried as hell right now because he just hasn't looked like the old Dalvin Cook, even when he's been on the field and been able to stay on the field, which has only been about half the season so far. Like He's still good out there. He's still probably an RB1 on any given week, but he hasn't put up that explosive week that he seemed to do so frequently before coming into the season where he puts up 40, 50 fantasy points. That was always something in the range of outcomes for Dalvin Cook, but we haven't seen it this year. And to maybe make things worse is running mate Alexander Madison. He's looked every bit as good as Dalvin Cook when he gets on the field. Maybe better. He has been receiving the ball, catching the ball out of the backfield a lot better than Dalvin Cook. So if you're trying to evaluate the talent of Dalvin Cook, to see Alexander Madison come in here and perform just as well has to give you a little bit of pause. So that, that's that's an A for you. You killed that one. I think that was the right time to get out of Dalvin. I'm smitten. Thank you. <laughs> On a contender cell for week two, it was Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony Mm -hmm. Pollard has still been solid, so I can't take a win on this one. I don't know. I was I was ready to give you a an eighty three percent, maybe eighty four percent, like a right in that B minus to B B minus. No, solid. A a girthy B minus. Yeah, Pollard has been okay, but all the arguments that you made for him back in week two have held true. Is he wasn't gonna get he wasn't gonna have the efficiency that he had back in week one, and he wasn't gonna have a large enough uh, piece of the pie to really everyone loves pie be playable. And remember, the perception of Pollard back in week two was not that way. It was oh shit, Pollard's about to take over the backfield. Zeke's done, and if you were able to sell at that price, then it was definitely a win. So I'll call this one a B. Yeah, I mean, my big argument was just his peripheral numbers just spelled fragility. It was like at any moment he can turn into a uh, an RB3 or 4, you know what I mean? And then you just don't want to put him in your lineup sure. at all. Whereas week one and two, you were like ecstatic to put him in your lineup. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it was okay, but he's still on pace for like a thousand yards. Uh, so not a bad year, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, week three, Tom Brady was my rebuilder sell. And he's still super hot right now. So if you didn't sell him after week three, that window's still open. Yeah, you made him the sell after week three, where he was coming off fantasy performances of 34 points, 38 points, 33 points. You called him a sell, and he immediately drops under 10 points, 9.76 on the week for (laughs) our scoring. But obviously that was short-lived as he dropped over 50 the following week and 20 on Thursday Night Football against Philly. Yeah, I mean... I, I give you a C minus on the Brady one, just because I think if you're a rebuilder, it's probably pretty obvious you need to get out of Brady. You get a C minus. I don't fail you because the time you said to sell was an opportune time after the start he got off to. Yeah. And then obviously the following week. So I still pass you, but you know, let's talk after class. You can do Jeez. better than this. Oh, harsh. <laughs> I'm going to have to forge my mom's signature on the demerit Signed, slip. M-O-M, mom. Jesus, all right. That's name at all. <laughs> Week four, I told you contenders to sell Joe Burrow, uh, and he has been pretty mediocre since then, so I think that was a good call. Yeah, I got him at 19 points and 27 points the last two weeks, so he's been perfectly okay. This is one where I think you, you call him a sell maybe with some of that implying that Jamar Chase would not continue to be as dominant as he <laughs> has been. He's been so fucking good. Yeah. It, it, that has to end eventually. As much as you and I both like Jamar Chase, he was obviously a top three pick for both of us uh, in single quarterback. He was our number one receiver. But it has to slow down and maybe even come to a stop at some point. And when it does, Burrow's going to suffer with it. Like This is one I, I grade you as an incomplete. Sort of the same way that I got off of the George Kittle grade because of the injury. I want to see more out of Joe 
Joe Burrow before I call him an absolute buy or sell. I'll give you an incomplete on this one. So it is important to mention though he has dominated bad teams. Like the the schedule sure. that he's played, which is what you should do as a good quarterback. Um, you should beat up on the lower competition. But we haven't seen them face uh, you know, a top five team, top ten team. Um, that's gonna give them a real challenge. So I'm wondering I wanna see if that I'll hold I'll withhold my own grade as well until I see him, you know, go up against a, a much better defense. But yeah, he has to, played a couple pretty good defenses in week two and three against Chicago and Pittsburgh. Chicago is his worst game of the season. He had three yeah. picks in that game. That was the one where just neither team wanted to win and they just kept turning the ball over and over to each other. If you remember well, Pittsburgh, back then. He, he played against a bunch of second stringers. Sure. TJ Watt was out. Um, yeah, everybody Patrick was out. Was out. He only good. attempted 18 passes in that game. He went 14 of 18, but he had three touchdowns, so he salvaged a pretty good fantasy game. And then, yeah. like you said, the only – really uh playoff contender super bowl contender type team that they played so far is green bay but we all know green bay is not a super bowl contender because of their defense so yeah. baltimore coming up this week this is going to be a very telling one because the ravens look outstanding right now on both sides of the ball there you go. if i had a twitter i would tell you to fuck up my dms if he if he beats up on uh, baltimore but if not yeah. <laughs> give me the win <laughs> All right, uh, week five, I told you to sell Cordero Patterson if you're a rebuilder. Uh, This is another one where it kind of falls into the Tom Brady thing where a 30-year-old running back, you should probably get that person off of your roster. He went into a buy as soon as you said that. And so there's not really any new information that we didn't have a week ago when we were talking about it. So this is another TBD incomplete assignment. You put your name and date at the top, but you forgot to actually do the assignment. So we'll check back in here in a few (laughs) weeks and we'll see if he got the essay finished. But just for the record, obviously outstanding start. He's been at 20 or more fantasy points for three of the last four weeks. And the time he missed, he was at 19. But if you are a rebuilder, he's not helping you win a ship this year. Sell him off. See what you can get. You can get a round two pick out of this guy guaranteed right now. And you also might be able to get a little bit more out of him than you would have a week ago because now his buy is out of the way. So if yep. anybody you know has a running back coming up on a bye week and they need somebody to fill in, trading for Cordell Patterson uh, on your way to a championship sounds like a really good idea. Um, Absolutely. Most teams good think. point. All right, man. The so final. pretty solid, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I... We have, what, another – 10 weeks of this. So we're going to have another yeah, at least two more recaps to go through. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think I did a lot better on my buys than it's going to sound like next week when we get to my sales. I'm, I got some people that I'm really going to need to come to bat for or against when we yeah. talk about who I told you to get rid of next week. The best part is like you had these all listed out in the show sheet and all I had to do was see the name and, and the argument that I built, you know, four or five weeks ago, started flooding back to me and I'm like, yeah, yeah. but, but what about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what about this? <laughs> so I, I would uh, say yeah. not too many massive swings and misses though. Some are still, uh, out the jury's out on maybe two or three of these guys right now. Mm-hmm. And then of the, of the, how many guys did we talk about today? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 guys. So seven from each of us. And, each one of us, I would say, hit on at least four of the seven thus far. So I think I st- that's that's a pretty good strategy so far. Yeah, and I still think it's valuable to go back and uh, revisit these guys, whether you want to buy them or sell them now. I mean, yes. based off what we said in previous episodes and how our minds have changed at all now, you can kind of build yourself, uh, paint yourself a picture, so to speak, as to where their value's yeah. headed. Or, you know, like, like George Kittle, if he was a buy after week two, and he's had all these injuries, he's probably a cheaper buy now. You know, maybe yeah. somebody's really sick of, of trying to deal with Good these point, George yeah. Kittle injuries. So, I mean, you take what Kyle told you about George Kittle and why you should buy him, and then look at what we've seen over the past four weeks. Man, you might be able to get a better deal on him. And it's good. This is something that I love J.J. Zacharyson for because he always preaches the process over the results. And so to go back now – several weeks removed on all these go back revisit the process see what has changed stay fluid because if you are don't get me wrong I'm the cockiest fantasy player that you will ever play with or against but if I pretend that I am flawless and I don't make mistakes I will never improve as a fantasy player I have to be able to change my opinion when new information is gathered and that's part of what we're doing when we look back over these guys several weeks later 
Yeah, it's good fantasy advice, good life advice. That's why you guys come here to the Fantasy Flexicution Podcast. No, but you know why else they come here? <laughs> Hit it! Do you remember Todd Pinkston? No, not really. <laughs> Do you know why I ask you that? Todd Pinkston? Yes. No, why? Do you remember the 4th and 26 in the playoffs where the Eagles were playing the Green Bay Packers and Donovan McNabb hit Todd Pinkston on 4th and, mm. and 26 for about 28 yards to extend Was the this- drive? And the Eagles was that the won? 08 or uh, 06 playoffs? I think so. I'm not yeah, I've positive. I've repressed every Green Bay Packers loss out of my memory, so there that's probably the reason. Because 06 is the the year uh, that y'all no, went and it couldn't be 06 because it was the year I think it was the year they went to the Super Bowl, which is 04. 04. Sorry, yeah, I got to mix. Yeah. So I always mix that up because 04 you went to the Super Bowl, but 06 was the year with uh, Vic on Madden, right? Where he was just dominant, and yeah, not, not, so. that's not even that's not even a good excuse though, because he was on the Falcons, so I can't even really use that. So, yeah, never <laughs> mind, my my whole narrative's busted. I've been exposed as a fraud. I don't remember this guy. I don't remember any of the players. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, that was uh, a Brett Favre led Packers team in Philly, and uh, Eagles had home field advantage in the playoffs. And the only way that they were going to win that game is by converting a fourth and twenty six in their own territory, which they did. And then I believe they went down to kick a field goal to win it and then go. I, I, that was either the, the divisional round. Yeah, I think it was the divisional round. I think it was they, divisional. They beat I do the remember Falcons the in the NFC Championship game. I was actually at that game, the NFC Championship game that hmm. year. Um, saw them beat the Falcons where Brian Dawkins broke Algie Crumpler's ribs on a crossing route. That was sick. What a freak. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that like solidified. I was like, you're my favorite player. You kill people. Like, woo. <laughs> yeah, you love yeah. murderers. Yeah, he's fantastic. Ray Lewis, no, that's the same, Brian Dawkins. Same, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, same sort of feeling, though, that solidified Clay Matthews for the Packers 2010 Super Bowl run. He actually ended your quarterback season, I think, uh, week one. Kevin Cobb. That was, uh, yeah, Kevin Cobb. He tucked his arms back on a sack and drove his collarbone into the dirt, and that was the end of his season. But that's what brought on Michael Vick, and you guys ended up making the playoffs that year yep. and lost to us again, and I think the wild card round. Yep, and that is what brought on Chip Kelly, and then that's what destroyed the Philadelphia oh, Eagles. So if you trace it all back to Clay Matthews, but he's then, the one. <laughs> then you get Wentz. Wentz and, and Peterson. gets hurt, <laughs> and <laughs> then the backup wins a Super Bowl, and then you draft his replacement. Yeah, it, so it's all because you, of that. Clay Matthews Pinkston. for Super Bowl 52. Oh, or Clay Matthews, okay. Yeah, or Ty Perry. Yeah. Who cares? God, if you're still listening, good for you, but you got to reevaluate your <laughs> yeah, life decisions. You, you don't followed, need to listen to this. You followed the bouncing ball. That's impressive. <laughs> All right. Follow us on Twitter at FLEXECUTION, F L E X E C U T I O, and follow me on Twitter at FF Master Debater. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you took something from it. I'll talk to you next week. See you.